0: welcome to intrinsic motivation from a homies perspective podcast where we meet experts from all walks of life to learn their intrinsic motivation so that they can share it with the world what do we have in store today stay tuned to find out more good morning good evening good afternoon everybody out there in podcast land you are in tune to another episode of intrinsic motivation from a homies perspective this is Hamza and I am David and we have a really interesting guest today. Um, we had a guest a few months ago, and she had. We were talking about anxiety and post-traumatic stress. And this uh, Beverly Surley, for those that listen to the podcast, uh, she is in Australia, and she was mentioning that in Australia you have more suicides associated with addiction and. Uh, just the after-effects of war then you had uh, people that actually died in war in Australia and on the oh. other side of that the the guest that we have today miss Janet Colbert she is the author of stop now stop the organized pill pushers and brief story she's like myself she's a transplant from tri-state and moved to Florida like half of that state And while working and living in Broward County as a nurse she noticed that uh, there is a huge uh, opioid epidemic happening there Uh, so much so in 2016 there have been more overdose deaths in the US than during the entire Vietnam War Uh, without further ado I'd like to welcome Janet Colbert to the podcast welcome Janet
1: thank you very much Hansa and thank you David as well
2: yes thanks for being here
1: yeah let's um you know
0: i want to get your as a side note uh there's a lot of comedy relief or comic relief for the state of florida it seems like in that state so much goes on and so much is observed by the rest of the country like this could never happen anywhere
1: else (laughs) and
0: what is your take on that
1: (laughs) oh i i know um and uh You know, we used to be known for our beautiful beaches, which uh, they're still there, but uh, this opiate epidemic is really the epicenter for the United States is in Broward County, Florida, and Florida should be very ashamed of that that, uh, distinction for our state. And um, I started out, I was a neonatal nurse taking care of drug-addicted babies, and we had no idea why on our unit we had so many babies all of a sudden. And, um, you know, so I, I started writing letters to politicians and telling them about this. And at the same time, my friend lost her son lane to this. And, um, before he died, he did have an overdose. He went down, he went to the hospital, the hospital called her and he told her then all about the pill mills that were in Broward County, Florida. We had no idea. Uh, it was 150 just in Broward County more than McDonald's, more than Starbucks. So I started writing letters to politicians and I thought, as soon as I let them know about this, these babies, they'll do something. And, uh, they haven't, you know, the the drug addicted babies has gone up a thousand percent in Florida. So just this year, I am very proud to say, um, we are getting legislation. That's going to begin July 1st in Florida. The three-day limit on opiate prescribing during acute phase and doctor education and um, mandate that they check the prescription drug monitoring program which is the database before writing a prescription and so I hope that that helps because like you say that the deaths are every year they escalate more and more we, there's no end in sight
2: now
0: when you when you I mean that's Wow I mean especially to be at the forefront of, of this happening when you were a neo, uh, neo neonatal nurse when did you first start observing and like what time frame was this that you noticed that something is not right
1: I started the organization in 2010 and it was uh, I'd say you know maybe six months prior to that we kept saying what's, what's going on? Why do we have so many babies on our unit that are addicted to drugs? And they're, you know, and when I was calling the politicians and asking them to do something about this and, and not getting the response I wanted, you know, then I would write back and I'd be like, you know, if you don't care about these babies lives, um, think about, you could end the national debt. I mean, our babies are in this hospital sometimes months and months now this is a intensive care unit and they're using all the disciplines so physical therapy speech therapy the Ds, the neonatologists nurses you know the the bill is astronomical versus a normal two-day in and out delivery so you know even that it's taken all these years for us to get legislation in Florida and but see the drug companies they have uh, A lot of power, a lot of money. They're, they own everything. I mean, their, their tentacles are everywhere.
0: Now Broward County, that's South Florida, and so the first thing I would think of, um, that's a little off kilter, is Miami Vice. And Miami Vice was popular because they were actually highlighting all of the trafficking that was synonymous with Miami. Uh, you know, there mm-hmm. is one saying that the 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 belt or the skyline was built on uh, on on, on non pharmaceutical drugs. And with with Broward County being right outside that hub, is it fallout or just over overflow from what's happening in Miami?
1: Well, no, actually Broward County had, uh, was much greater affected by the opiate epidemic than even date. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in every state in the United States and every city, but, um, Mm -hmm. Broward County was the worst. But, um, Mm -hmm. what you're talking about is drugs coming in and of course we're a peninsula. So there's ocean from every side and uh, there is that, but you know, and I've often said, um, I think Trump does need to put a wall around Mexico, but he put needs to put one around big pharma first because eight mm-hmm. out of, yeah, eight out of 10 heroin users start with that not so innocent prescription pain pill. And if we could, I know they're not going to stop production of the opiate like they did with the Quaaludes in uh, because there was too many deaths. And of course this is far surpassed that, but if we could stop that, um, influx and that, you know, that prevalence of pills everywhere, uh, we could stop the demand for heroin and there wouldn't be that much of a, you know, we would end that problem.
0: Mm-hmm. What, in, now, politically, you, you mentioned it. We don't usually talk about politics on our show, but uh, there was a huge position on a wall around Mexico, and a lot of people in the states. We had a couple of people. Uh, Arizona is a, another hard-hit state. Uh, right. We had a guest that was talking about opioid abuse there, and, and they were saying, "Well, are you going to build a wall around your local CVS?" And and so. Um, I notice when you when we watch the the commercials and they're talking about prescription drugs and they have you know the big disclaimer and they speak really fast at the end of the commercial. And you're talking about a lot of people start on these epidemics because they're on a, a I guess for lack of a better term a gateway. Uh, what's a better approach to uh, one get relief so that this never so this doesn't even happen?
1: Well, um, limited opiate prescribing will help. Um, they were after an injury or sometimes a tooth extra extraction. Some people got addicted from a trip to the dentist office. I mean, that should not cause, uh, you to be, uh, in rehab centers. So, you know, they were giving a 30 day supply many times after a simple operation or uh, like I say, a sports injury, something like that. So the three day limit, will help very much. They're saying that there's such a high risk after taking it for five days of addiction. So if we can limit to three days, that will help. Um, there's also, I mean, there's so much corruption and greed with this. Uh, you know, I am sure you heard about all the lawsuits and everything against the pharmaceutical companies I mean they were paying Mm -hmm. doctors to write books about the under treatment of pain in America and that Mm -hmm. this it when they first marketed they were saying it is not addictive and of course none of that is true so Mm -hmm. many I mean if there is a doctor now that doesn't know how addictive this pill is he must be living under a rock but I mean the avenue of the pill mills and they're, they're still over prescribing doctors in Florida. They're just not as blatant as they used to be. There was a, um, a 10 page ads in this little magazine called new times that was, you know, free on the beach and, uh, in various places. And they would advertise uh, all the pill mills in there and they were, you know, Dr. So-and-so is gone. No more questions asked no Florida license required. Um, you know, they were given uh, free um, 10 visits and one, and then your office visits free. There was a taxicab that was driving all through town with a banner on top. Roxy's $3 office visits, $250. Oh, I man. mean, yeah, they were so boring about what they were doing, but see, it, it, it's legal. These are legal drugs. And most of the owners of the pain clinics were already convicted felons, but they had to have a doctor in there. So they advertised on Craigslist and headhunters and they got a doctor in there, paid him a half a million dollars, just just signed his name to a prescription pad and all day long, every patient that walked in there got the same thing, oxycodone, Xanax, and Soma in exorbitant amounts.
2: Wow. Why, why Janet, why do you think this was such a, I mean, you said that, you know, all the states have some problem to some degree. Why was Florida such a a stronghold for all this?
1: I guess our lax laws, and it it took a Mm -hmm. while to start to put some laws in effect. And when I first, uh, you know, I started holding protests in front of these pain clinics. Doctors are killing people and, uh, you know, things like that. And then it was in the newspaper and Parents came out to join me that had lost their child to this. I mean, they didn't all start out on the joy rides. I mean, of course, some of them did, but they didn't all start out that way. And, but it's a a very deadly mistake that if they took a half a pill from a friend or or whatever, and then they could just walk into the pill mills at at any age. Uh, There was no, you know, I mean, Publix, you couldn't walk in and get a beer, but someone under 18 could walk into a pill mill and get all those pills. So, You know, it was legal, like I say, it was legal and there was no consequences at all to the doctors or to the pain clinic owners when we were out there protesting. And that has started to change. You do see matter of fact, in the back of the book, I do have where a doctor was charged with first degree murder. I went to his murder trial every day. I attended that because I, I wanted to be there. So, you know, they they are getting sent to jail now.
2: Yeah. So, Jennifer, for those that don't know, what what exactly is a pill mill? Uh,
1: they just wrote prescriptions in exorbitant amounts, and uh, there was really no diagnosis. There was no health issue. Um, they would just, the lines were wrapped around the building, and and nobody really knew what was going on. I mean, when I'd speak at uh, PTA meetings and uh, civil meetings, um, organizations they would go oh we saw and we thought they were wow they're really doing something about arthritis and stuff you know and I'm like no no that's not what they are you know and then and then different um stores would call us they were they were in these storefronts with uh yeah. you know a laundromat and a, a psych thing and uh, I mean all different businesses were in this strip mall and sometimes the business would call us and say hey can you come out here and protest these people are you know coming They're they're affecting our business by being here so with yeah. either that or you know people would call us from the neighborhoods and things like that and we would go out and protest in front of them and bring attention to it what they were doing
0: now what's your what's your take on uh, on the pill mill in the fact that the way I, I imagine but, I, but you're the expert on this I just want to get more of a historical viewpoint uh, about 10 years ago there were you know a lot of um, news stories about people going to Canada because they couldn't pay for their prescription here in the States do you think that the pill mill proliferation is be, is the response to that where they can get uh, they can get what they need at a cheaper cost than go in the traditional route
1: that that's like a completely separate issue. Um, the pill mill, the only thing they prescribed was oxycodone Xanax and Soma. They want high blood pressure and you know, what you're talking about there is people that need medications for, you know, various illnesses, (laughs) real legitimate illnesses. This is nothing like that. You know, it was legal drug dealing. I mean, even our attorney general was calling them uh doctors um drug dealers in white coats and I'd be writing, well why aren't you doing something about it? then you know yeah, yeah,
2: well, it's all the Money involved Janet, I mean, I imagine at times it's, it has to feel like an uphill battle because you you oh know where <laughs> there's a lot of money involved there's, yeah, you know that there's, yeah. let each tree just go away anytime yeah. soon,
1: yeah, well, one time at work I somebody asked me, How's your project going, Janet? And I was like, Oh God, it's like David fighting Goliath, and he's like, But you know who won that one right' So, you know, so we're still at it, but it does get very, very disheartening. And I mean, all, all this homeless definitely affected that. And now there's the, uh, sober homes that are all over mostly Delray beach, more so than Broward County, but that's like pill mill chapter two. Um, anybody, and they're just starting to get laws for that. Anybody could open up a sober home and there was one uh man that was arrested in the sober home, so they were charging overcharging for uh urine drug screens, and part of um recovery can be relapsed but the the um the man that was arrested was giving the people in the home heroin and then testing them and they're they're not clean again, so they need another thirty days and I mean there was such horribleness going on. So so we've got that problem now too. So just to add another chink in Florida's armor, there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I have a I have a David and Goliath question for you, uh, Janet, Uh, because earlier this year they had that Parkland shooting, and you know when that happened, the, the the high school kids galvanized and got together, and they wound up you know making national news. And Mm -hmm. some of the backlash from a Goliath standpoint some of the uh, news stations I remember they were taunting that that one high school student that was I guess quote-unquote the leader because he didn't get into one you know one of these prestigious schools that he applied for and she put his Mm -hmm. business out there and so as a result he got on social media galvanized people again and so much so that the advertisers of this popular TV show had withdrawn their advertising dollars and, uh, and and the other companies that also advertised during the show also pulled their money. So the the the, the speaker, you know, the the head of that show had to publicly apologize, but the damage mm. was already done. Are you right. doing any part, any type of um, electronic or digital? Uh, Outreach so people know like where these Craigslist ads are or uh, letting people know on Twitter You know, they've moved across the street type of deal
1: Well, we were out there holding protest signs in front of them uh, but and bringing attention to them, but um, I Know that part of them what a tragedy what a tragedy that was and and like you say money talks so if they the advertisers pull from that then then things begin to change um, and, and the fact that the drug companies have so much money and, and the politicians are taking so much money from them, if uh, if I'm telling them I need you to do something to save lives, but they're at the back door, they're handing them their, their next campaign, <laughs> you know, and, and they were all going that way. But like I say, this year, I have seen a change. I mean, I was not able to get... For so many years, I had the three-day limit on opiate prescribing, and I wanted to mandate that the physicians must use the PDMP before they place an order for a prescription, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. get it. But this year, I I mean, I saw it all change right in front of my eyes. It was like unbelievable. Governor Mm -hmm. Scott declared a state of emergency. And then all of these same politicians that I would call and say, I need you to sponsor a bill for this. And they'd go, Oh, unless you get the uh, approval from the FMA, the Florida medical association, I can't do that. And I'm like, well, why are you in office? You know, why are you there? And this year they all did it. And every, and I was watching the committee hearings and every one of them passed unanimously and there'd be doctors testifying that were saying, Oh no, three days, we might need more than that. And this could happen and that could happen. And I could see they, they were like, we're, we're voting for this, this year, this is going to happen. And it was amazing to see. so, congratulations! and oh, well, you know, it wasn't just me, believe me, it wasn't just me, but I mean, it was wonderful to see, and this is what we need across our, you know, on a national level too. Um, I don't know if you saw that, uh, 60 minutes interview that they did with the DEA whistleblower.
0: No several months
1: ago. Okay. They brought out a story about, um, Marino. Um, he, uh, he sponsored a bill that, and this is, uh, in Washington. He sponsored a bill that tied the hands of the DEA. So I, I had, and and this story is in my book. I had been to Marsha Blackburn's office in 2014 in Washington, DC because she did, um, co-sponsor that bill. And I gave her the court documents I had from DEA versus Walgreens. And I mean, you should see the atrocities that these, and I said, this is what's flying off our shelves down here, you know, don't sponsor this bill. And of course she did anyway but now she's trying to run for the Senate and she's saying uh, how she is against the opiate epidemic. And she um, said that bill, when questioned about it, she said that bill had unintended consequences. Well, there's a a bill now out there. It's House bill 4084 and Senate bill 1960 to repeal that amendment and give the power back to the DEA so they can go in and take care of these rook pharmacies. She hasn't signed it. And I called her office. I emailed her uh, legal assistant. And I'm like, if she wants to undo this unintended consequence that she caused, why hasn't she signed this bill? And she still hasn't yeah. signed it. I just checked yesterday. So, you know, actions speak louder than words. And on my website, my uh, website is stopnow.com, and that's S T O. PP stands for Stop the Organized Pill Pushers Now. So stopnow.com under current projects, I do have what I'm currently working on. And that, that is a bill that if everyone would call their representatives and senators and ask them to make sure they sign on to that bill because we need the DEA and we DEA law enforcement is all as we have had for a very long time. We haven't had legislators until like I say this year, what I saw in Florida was a complete change.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking that. Um, Good, David. I was gonna say, Janet. You know, besides all the devastation, the obvious devastation of this epidemic, and this might sound like kind of like a funny question, but is there any gain? from, I mean, not just from selling all these and that kind of problem, but from, and I guess what I'm talking about is like creating a problem and, hey, lo and behold, here's a solution to it. So is there any gain from creating this? Is there someone gaining on on some kind of level of creating this problem, knowing that this is what's going to happen and then, hey, we're going to come with some kind of solution or something, some angle um, besides all the, you know, the
1: the drug companies are making billions and billions, uh, from this, but then also now, um, to answer your question, they're riding in on their white horse and they have, um, what's called MAT medically assisted treatment that it blocks the opiate site. So now they're also making billions on providing medically assisted treatment for this, um, Vivitrol. And I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, But the thing is, there's, there's a group, it's called addiction policy forum. Now the founder of that was a drug lobbyist and the pharmaceutical companies are paying her, her, her organization is funded by big pharma. She's standing in front of Congress telling them how to allocate the billions of dollars that they were just given for, you know, to end this opiate epidemic. And it's all going well, a lot of it is going to the drug companies for this MAT. Yeah. So yeah, it's a and I'm like, well, how about fewer pills? How about cutting production by half? And let's see what happens instead of, you know, so that's, I mean, they, that's what I'm saying. Their tentacles are everywhere.
2: Yeah. Cause like I I even brought that up because it just reminds me of you know uh, you know you can be watching TV and an advertisement will come up for some and I a new you know some kind of new disorder. That you never heard of before, yeah, and yeah. and magically they have a magic pill for this disorder. And I kind of jokingly say to you know whoever's in the room, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not interested in disorder. I'll wait till a couple months when they come up with a new one. Now I'll be interested in that one.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just uh,
1: or just not taking anything and needing help enough yeah, it <laughs> yeah. Yeah so and uh, in my appendix a in my back I have the CDC guidelines they should be instituted into law that would help and then I have um, in appendix B I have the letter that was sent from the US Surgeon General to every physician in the United States saying we are partly responsible for this and let's see what we can do to end it Yeah,
2: I'm
0: thinking Janet I'm thinking about uh, the vietnam war since you're you know you're talking you made reference to it and you know for, and i wasn't born then but just you know just uh, my dad was in vietnam and in just mm-hmm. talking to other people there there was discussion that uh, there was so much backlash for that war because for the right. first time for the first time a majority of americans had televisions so they could actually see what was happening you know they had a visual and mm-hmm. when you had first come upon this back in 2010 and, and you know you're seeing these babies I'm just wondering what type of if, if there is a documentary in the works of you know this is eight years later and th- this child was 8 to 10 years old and this is the right. problems they have to deal with uh, is there any discussion about just looking at how much damage has already been done
1: I think that um, it's almost too early to have the research on it, what happens to them. But mm-hmm. I, what I've heard was some ADHD problems, things like that. But the bigger, bigger problem, far greater problem is we're running out of foster care beds Our um, DCF, which is uh, department of children's and family services are completely overwhelmed. There are, way too many cases. And, uh, I had a doctor write me, um, when I was out there protesting and he saw me in the newspaper and he wrote to me uh, that two thirds of the cases that they go out are called out on one or two of the caregivers are both substance abuse. And there's so many deaths from children in these homes due to neglect or sometimes torture. So, that is, that is such a a horrible problem, such, you know, and, and it won't end until we can do something about this epidemic, this opiate epidemic. We've got to get, I mean, half our society. Well, I don't know. That's, that's just, I usually am very factual. So half our society, I can't say is on drugs, but, (laughs) but it seems like, (laughs) it. and like I say, the, the homeless situation and, a lot of them are, are on drugs. It's caused from drugs and alcohol. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like I say, these children's situation that are being raised in these homes, it's really sad. I have a, so a two part question to that.
0: So, the, the first part I was thinking about was, you know, many moons ago, I, I was a teacher, and uh-huh. when I taught second taught like grade, and when I taught some of the students at the time were going through the crack epidemic so Mm -hmm. you know there was a lot of disruption uh, with those kids and it was a it was a middle-class school too it wasn't a lower class school and so my first part is are you see are you is there enough research that can segment portions of the population based off of income and the second part of that question is um, when you mentioned homelessness you know a lot of vets are homeless so yeah. has there been any research as to what percentage of the population are actually vets
1: they uh, the Veterans Administration there was uh, a few articles on that regarding how many of them are addicted and there was a case where uh, the parents were telling the doctor, don't give him anymore. He's, uh, he's addicted to this. And the guy had an overdose and died right there on the facility. So the veterans administration has done a complete turnaround. And, you know, the thing is that you can't just cut them off and not give them any anymore. After years and years and years, you have thrown pills at them. I mean, it's not a good treatment option, but to do that for years and then just cut them off isn't good either. So it's a real, it's a real dilemma, but I think if we start to prescribe differently to not anyone walks in and they throw pills at them to have a different and and physical therapy, I understand only part of it is covered. So then the people are out of pocket quite a bit. So there needs to be a whole change in how we're treating, patients that are in pain there's also you know the elderly it's it's not just this age group in their 20s and they're junkies and and that was like a re- big bonus to the drug companies that well of course they're dying they're drug addicts and nobody was blaming the drug companies they were blaming the person that is dead on the street but they are the ones that got them addicted. You know, it, it's very highly addictive. So that's my stance on that, That they, they shouldn't be, you know, supporting this and marketing. This as the best things in sliced bread because it isn't, it's killing people. It's killing a lot of people. Yeah,
2: too much money. Uh,
1: and then on your socio economic question, these are kids that are from good homes for the most part. Um, Raised well in a sometimes upper middle class type family um, because the pills were, and then once they're addicted, then they can buy a bag of heroin for $5 and, you know, stealing and that kind of nature was going on. But um, some of these kids, like I say, they became addicted from a football injury or, you know, but once they're mm. addicted, then then they'll do anything to get it. And then that's where you see the junkie. But prior to that, this was a good kid from a good home, and wasn't the type of kid where you would say, "I don't want you hanging out with him." That wasn't the case.
2: Yeah. Well, Kenneth, obviously you you have you're well aware of what's going on here in the states. Um, are there what other countries that you know of are kind of having the same problems?
1: I understand the drug companies are trying to move this overseas now because they're starting to get, you know, for so long it was accepted. And now it's starting not to be, even our politicians, if you, you know, hear them campaigning now they're all against the opioid epidemic for so long they were doing nothing. But, um, there too, like I say, that talk is bigger than talk is nothing if you won't do anything about it. But, um, someone and that's what, um, I was talking to this, Uh, gentleman in Australia, uh, James Morcan, he did a podcast from Australia with me and he was saying that, uh, you know, it sounds like something that would happen in a third world country that you have this little shop in a strip mall and they're handing out oxycodone on Xanax. You know, he said, I can't believe this is happening in the United States. We all look up to the United States to see what they're doing about something, you know, and this is going on there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. Mm. So I don't think, I think this is statistics where 5% of the world's population, we have 100% of the hydro- hydrocodone, and it's like 87%, something like that, of the oxycodone so uh, are we in really that much more pain than the whole rest of the world
2: <laughs> yeah Yeah, good point. Mm.
0: I think that's why it's been easy Janet for it for for it to creep up on on the country because we have always for the past 20 30 years have had this acceptance of prescription Drugs. Yeah. So, yeah. right from the Ritalin when you were a kid to whatever you're mm-hmm. taking as, as as an elderly person, you know. Right. So <laughs> right, right now we're we're it's come to a head, but it's it's probably you know 20 or 30 years in the making.
1: Right, and I think that that also had an effect on why some of these kids uh, did take it from a friend, took a pill from a friend because it came from a doctor. Every prescription originally came from a doctor. There was way over prescribing. So, um, you know, and it, so it seemed more trustable. None of those, none of those that died, let's say 60,000 died in our country last year, I think was the statistic. Um, and the heroin overdoses when, when this first started, like the anoxicodone, they first started reporting the deaths here in Florida heroin was almost, minuscule there was no heroin here but now you know that number is uh, over the oxycodone even but um these kids would have never started on heroin many of them would have never went out and bought heroin but once they took that pill and got that seemed innocent comes from a doctor it was in their mother's medicine cabinet and that's what they used to blame they used to blame your parents medicine cabinet but when I wanted legislation, get it out of the medicine cabinet, don't prescribe that many, you know, I couldn't get it, but you know, so that's, that's part of the problem. It came from a doctor. So it seemed okay.
0: Mm. now popular culture usually mem- uh, right it mimics what's happening um, in real life and so you know over the years we've had uh, the war on drugs and drug movies that were popular or you saw a drug king a drug kingpins downfall are there any popular movies today that that people should be aware of that you know because on one level I think I think that's the other thing that happens is the whole NIMBY thing. It's not in my backyard, so I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And is there anything now where they could look at a movie or somewhere you could direct people to, in addition to reading your book?
1: I was going to say they can read my book. <laughs> that's what my well, said to me. He, he said not only is your book really fantastic, he said, it really is. Uh, Dr. Andrew Kolodny, I don't know if you know of him, but he's a researcher and he has an organization physician for uh, responsible opioid prescribing and I do have I did use some of his research in my book but he said this is what he said to me he said um, your book is a historical document and 40 years from now when they're wondering about that plague of the opiate epidemic I hope they find your book <laughs> and I wrote back to him I'm like 40 years from now I hope they find it now <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but you know I do have some bookmarks As a matter of fact, on my website under um, I think it's under the media, I do have there was this I don't know if you saw it uh, the Ohio Police Department came upon this car with um, two passengers a, a male and a female in the front seat and a baby in the back seat, and they were passed out. And they took a picture yeah. of that. Oh, you saw that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, they, they actually had a little uh, film of that and it, I do have it on under media under dot now.com where they, they have that whole scenario, of what happened. And that was the grandmother in the front seat. <laughs> so, wow. you know, I don't know what the mother story was that the baby was with the grandmother, but uh, they were overdosed and they came back from that. But two weeks later, the man died, overdosed again and died. But so yeah. this is happening to everyone. And that is how it affects everyone, because that car was driving down the street and they could be next to your family of six. You know, my friend um, carries Narcan in her glove compartment because she did pass a car and the Girl at a traffic light was passed out. Yeah, yeah. So this is no longer.
0: John, you can no longer say it's everybody and their grandmother. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it is. Yeah, that's sad but true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I didn't mean to make make light of that, but. uh, You have been on the forefront. You've been uh, at the grassroots level. You've written a book so much so that last year you're recognized in your own community, um, 100 most outstanding women in Broward County. Can you tell us about what how that came about?
1: Well, someone nominated me, and they have this uh, function. So, <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> that did happen. Um, you know, and it was it was very nice to be recognized like that, but. Um, you know, I'd rather be recognized for, uh, stopping the opioid epidemic. <laughs> I mean, there's, it's just such a tragedy for our country and, and it's not ending. I mean, it's, as I say, my name is stopped now, but now it's taken a very long time.
2: Mm mm-hmm. Uh, so as they start to, you know, try to get maybe some control and do legislation, legislation and whatnot, Janet, is there a, like a, a underground market that's developing at all for, for this?
1: They have, um, like I was saying before, every single pill that was out on that street was put there by a physician, whether it was in the wrong hands or not. Uh, but Canada now has made some type of a, apparatus that they can make pills and they look, I saw they looked very similar to a Xanax. They call them tombstones because you know how a Xanax is kind of shaped like a coffin. Um, and side by side, uh, an expert might be able to tell the difference, but, uh, you know, so they are selling these and that is there. And of course, I guess, I don't know where you are. are you having a bad sentinel problem too having a bad what
2: fentanyl
1: mm no oh Omnia? here um uh here they are and uh fentanyl and uh, you might have heard of car fentanyl i think that was used over in russia where they were killed so many people in a the theater spraying it or something that's yes. that was used as an elephant tranquilizer It's not like the fentanyl patch that people wear, uh, for medical reasons. It's synthetically made and it's, um, a lot of the heroin now and Xanax, they're lacing it with fentanyl and it's, that's why the deaths have really escalated, um, on that track too because they don't know what they're buying. And sometimes the person they're buying it from doesn't, No, either except it's much much cheaper and that's being manufactured in China and it's coming in through Mexico
2: hmm I think that's what and I might be
1: wrong but wasn't that what Prince overdosed on it yes yes you're right about that that is what Prince overdosed on and here too he he came about that addiction honestly I mean he fell off the stage and had hip problems And because he was very against all drugs, all drinking, but he got addicted from that injury. Um, Yeah, and then and then that's all you care about is I have to have it, you know.
2: Yeah, gotta get. And I think part of it too was um, just from what I had heard and or read being a Jehovah witness he was against getting any kind of surgery or blood transplants or, or transfusions or something like that so
1: they do believe in that yeah so probably was,
2: yeah, so yeah 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 so consequently he was, you know had to deal with all this pain and so I guess that was part you know part of it
1: yeah physical therapy non-inflammatory uh, he'd still be alive and happy but um, uh, you know and and they are trying part of what I've heard from uh, Washington and looking at some of these town hall meetings that they're having, they are trying to come up with a non opiate um, pain reliever. So we need some research going on that, and that would be a wonderful thing. But, um, you know, the drug companies now, originally, what the opiate was for was for cancer patients, end of life stage, and and uh, that kind of thing. And, of course, it doesn't matter if that person's addicted to it. They're, you know, they're in bone cancer or something like that. They're in extreme amount of pain, and that's all that matters, just palliative care, keep them comfortable. But then the drug companies realize they can make so much more money just giving it to every, everybody for any reason. And that's what they've done to our country. Mm. And people need to know this.
0: Yeah, I I think that was the scary part about about Prince's death was the fact that he had counterfeit fentanyl. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even uh, that may be a precursor of people getting around this three-day limit um, because, like you said, if 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 it's so addictive, right? And now I'm used to getting it for uh, for 30 days, and now I'm taking down the three A's. It kind of opens up a black market. Do you think?
1: well um, on the three-day limit it's during the acute phase of an illness so this will be let's say I'm perfectly fine but tomorrow I'm running and I twist my ankle now when I went to the doctor in the past he would give me let's say 26 day supply of pills or something now he can say I I can give you three-day supply for this and anti-inflammatories but really what they should uh, a better avenue would even be to say I'll give you three oxycodone and take anti-inflammatory in between and by a couple of days you'll be fine and I said you know less is better but they were giving enough to you know choke a horse and then the person was becoming addicted so Mm -hmm. that's what was happening but this what's happening with the you're talking about the chronic pain patient that has been on it for years and years now their doctors are starting to get scared and saying Yeah, I don't want to kill anybody. I'm not, then they just cut them off. So they really need to come up with a source of treatment for that person, not just say, I'm not giving you this anymore, because like you say, then they've only got that other alternative since they've been on it for so many years, they need to gradually wean them off and do something else to whether it's acupuncture or chiropractor or something like that to, Mm -hmm. you know, help them with that pain
2: hmm so Janet when someone comes along and starts to mess with or attempt to maybe chop down some of those money trees that can you know that's not going to make a lot of people happy have you ever had any concerns in regards for you know your own personal safety or anything like that
1: Uh, People told me when I first started this, you're going to get killed doing this. It's organized crime. And that's kind of, (laughs) yeah. so when I chose my name, stop the organized pill pushers, that's kind of how I chose that. I I know what I wanted to do. I wanted to stop this. And so that's, but honestly, I haven't had any trouble at all. Um, They would come outside when I was at the pill mills and they would uh, take my picture and that kind of thing. And, you know, but no, we, we didn't really have any trouble. Yeah. Amazingly so.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well That's good.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the the one side where David David is a lot of movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's a legitimate reason that you know, but no, it's so far absolutely nothing like that has happened. Yeah.
0: Well, that was my my second part of that, right? Because obviously, you you want to make sure that you're always in a safe environment. I was just wondering the second part. Since it's a political hot potato about um, character assassination, like they're looking digging into your background to discredit you.
1: I was just audited, (laughs) and my friend is like, "Janet, there's no way they just chose to audit you. That's that happened for you know." I'm like, "Well, we have no way to prove that. I really don't know, but I just sent in all I needed to send in, and that's you know, I got nothing to hide, so." (laughs) but I I do call a lot of people out yeah 2020
0: uh, 2018 I mean everything is out there so uh, I'm I'm wondering if have other states and other communities in the state of Florida reached out to you since you've benefited or witnessed some level of success in Broward County good question
1: Well, this law, I mean, this like just (laughs) happened. This has not even gone into effect yet. It goes into effect July 1st. So it just happened last session. Um, There is a fed up rally in Washington, D.C. every year where all of the groups that we kind of know each other from Facebook and that we all go and meet each other. And many of these people have lost their children and that's why they started their organization. And um, so it's. You know people are just very angry and want something done about this, and they want to dress they want it to end and you know because they're and their their child's already dead, you know, but they're trying to save someone else's child, so mm-hmm. you know nobody was asking to be part of this and um but they found themselves there so
0: You mentioned acupuncture and and chiropractic medicine. Has uh, that community part? Are they partnering together to address this as well? And has there been any up-to-date research that's showing the benefits of of incorporating those uh, alternative therapies?
1: I've just read literature that they're looking for uh, alternatives to just throwing pills at people. I mean, you know, besides the pill mills. I mean, those were really if I can say that word, uh, they were, those were scumbag doctors. Um, there are, you know, other doctors that, I mean, healthcare right now is, uh, you know, in, in bad shape. It has been for years. I, I remember when they first started managed care and they were like, okay, uh, you know, this person can only be on the floor for three days. And if they get an infection around there longer, that's your dime, not ours. And, and doctors are, you know, really out of their pocket, practically, Uh, you know, it's, it's been very bad for doctors for a long, long time, legitimate doctors that are trying to really treat their patients and, and make a decent living. But, um, you know, that's, that's the situation in our country and they do need to come up with a, a better way than to just throw pills at them and say, here, take these and call me in the morning. Right. (laughs) you know because these are causing a lot of harm and it's cost our country billions and billions of dollars too. Yeah. So
0: now I think that's where you have a leg to stand on where people would actually listen because if you talk about the economic impact then people would, you know, pay, it, pay start paying attention.
1: I hope so. I hope so because it certainly mm-hmm. is affecting us all. I mean like I say, and, and everybody's making money. I mean, the hospitals are making money, you know, with all the overdose patients in there. the uh, morgue is making money, the you know the, I mean our medical examiners they they don't even have enough uh, personnel to handle all the bodies that are lined up. I mean, wow, you know, it's like I say, it, it really is, and and the opiate epidemic that was declared probably at least, uh, eight years ago. And you know, when Ebola what not to make light of that, but two people died from that and everyone in the country was all the money that was poured into that. And this is <laughs> every day, every day we're losing, I think it's 46 people in the United States. I know Florida, when I first started holding protests, it was seven a day. And they were saying, if well, dolphins or seven a day were swimming up on shore, people would be up in arms every day. Another seven, but these are people, and no one's up in arms, you know. And now that number's fifteen a day in Florida, so you know wow. it's doubled. Yeah.
2: Are you still working we're, as a, a an R, a registered nurse, uh, Janet? No,
1: no, I'm not. I retired.
2: Retired. Okay yeah what are some signs
0: that you know the layman that is unaware and, and only sees the news headlines and we see the news headlines when it's the end right when somebody actually died what are some 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 signature I guess they a character characterization or um, are there body sores or something that we should be aware of that we see with our friends or loved one that may they mean they're a candidate and they need assistance
1: you mean someone is under the influence? Okay. Um, I I mean, I, I don't know to tell you the truth. I don't know because I've never had, thank God, anyone in my home. That was, um, I think that you can kind of tell from their behavior, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone's different and I I don't really know the answer to that question, um, other than to say, I, I think they've said in school, all of a sudden they start skipping school or, you know, the grades start to drop. Um, and this is, again, I'm talking about a younger person. I just heard, um, I went to this seminar a few weeks ago and one of the speakers who was very, very good. He was this young man that was at Columbine High School and he was in that library and he was hiding under the desk because when they heard it, they thought it was, um, they thought it was a car backfire and, uh, school shooting hadn't happened prior to that. And then they, they realized it was a gun and the teacher stuck her head in the library door and said, get under the desk. And they all were sitting ducks under the desk there. And he came in and, uh, his best friend was killed right next to him and he didn't know he had been shot, but he had been shot twice. And, um, he said that day uh, they took him to the ER and they gave him 30 day supply of pills. And then his primary doctor gave him another 30 day supply of pills. And he said, you know, our, our family going back four generations, no one had ever had an addiction to anything. And he became addicted and he was on drugs for quite a few years and he finally became, came off. And went through rehab and now he goes around and gives these talks so I mean it can happen to anyone that's very important that people realize that and it isn't there's such a stigma to it but it's the pill that's so highly addictive and uh, not the fault of the person taking it and he was saying he was given a talk one time somewhere and he could see someone way in the back of the line with like a um, one of those dogs that you bring with you and that man. Uh, waited for him and he talked to him afterwards and he said I want you to know that I was on the SWAT team that went into the library that day and he said there were 16 of us there's only two of us still left alive the others have either committed suicide or died from drug overdose because of what they saw
2: because of the SWAT guys Wow yeah Wow
0: wow so i think that's where it should really be not you know a a big i mean you can't wrap it up in a bow but if we highlight the all of the long-term ramifications you know Mm -hmm. um yeah that survivor's guilt contributes to a lot of a lot of that suicide and death afterwards like why am i still here when that happened and you know there's no or it doesn't sound like there's an, an outlet where You know groups can get together and talk about it because we're having so many um violence we're we're we're, i guess numb to it because we hear it so much it's like right you 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 know people may make a meme or something on social media then it goes away and then it happens again a couple of weeks later it's a never-ending cycle right now that needs to be broken
1: and he said at that time it hadn't happened before so there wasn't help for them no one no one asked him you know how can I help you through this? It was here's some pills. And he said, and truthfully, he said, the pills helped me more for emotional than they did for the pain. They helped me emotionally to get through that, but then he was addicted to them. Yeah, It's, it's the same as heroin. So that's why they can get heroin. So cheaply, it's cheaper once they're addicted and they become heroin addicts.
0: Yeah. Oh. I think the bigger discussion that's scary is that we're so used to pills, like popping a pill, like I'm yeah. gonna lose weight, yeah. I'm gonna have a weight loss right. pill or I'm gonna right. write the microwave society. So it's probably a right. bigger conversation where that is not the one all end all end all be all right. solution.
1: Right. Exactly. That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Mm this has been very eye-opening very enlightening and, and it sounds like you, you've made some headway you've been at the forefront you, you're seeing some change and it doesn't sound like you're stopping anytime soon so I, <laughs> I definitely you know uh, honor you and, and congratulate you and
1: you know hope you. You keep
0: up the great work and and, and keep us posted I'll, I'll do some alerts some Google alerts and things like that just to follow up with you maybe we'll have you on um, you know in the future just to give us an update of what's happening
1: Thank you. Thank you. And please let everyone know about the book Stop Now. They can get it on uh, Amazon or Barnes and Noble or then go to my website, stopnow.com. And um, awareness is what we need. People, uh, you know, there's so many that they think, like you said before, that this doesn't affect me, it's somebody else. And uh, you can't, go into a room, with more than 10 people and not know someone that lost someone or knows someone or the kid next door. It's just so prevalent now, you know, it's just way new. We really do need people to get involved. And I have on my um, business card, the saying by Edmund Burke, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And that's Mm. a very true statement.
2: Yeah.
0: That's actually a good way to kind of put a pin in it at least for now uh, we'll stay, we'll definitely stay in touch with you Janet it was a pleasure uh, you've been in tune to another episode of intrinsic motivation from a homies perspective this is Hamza thank and you very I'm much
1: baby. for having me on in your time I appreciate it
0: absolutely let's stay in touch thanks Janet
1: thank you very much good night good night Listen
0: to Intrinsic Motivation from a Homie's Perspective on Radio Public. It's a free, easy-to-use app that helps listeners like you find and support shows like ours. When you listen to our show on Radio Public, we receive direct financial support every time you hear an episode. Experience our show in Radio Public today by listening to the show link in our episode notes. And thank you for listening.